Welcome to episode 27 of the Progression Health Podcast. This is part of the Mental Health and Mindfulness Series, and I'm here with researcher Manoj Sharma. Manoj, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work, please? Uh, thank you, Ross. Um, uh, my name is Manoj Sharma. I'm a public health physician and an educator. I have a medical degree from University of Delhi and a doctorate in preventive medicine from the Ohio State University. I'm currently working as a, a tenured full professor and chair of the social and behavioral health department in the School of Public Health at University of Nevada, Las Vegas. I also have a master's certified health education specialist uh, certification from the National Commission on Health Education Credentialing. And I have uh, a career spanning over 30 years uh, in public health, in which I have trained over 6,000 uh, undergraduate and graduate students uh, that in physicians, health education specialists, dietitians, community health nurses, healthcare administrators, epidemiologists, sanitarians, health and development workers, allied health professionals, and others. And uh, I, I have uh, uh, taught for 13 national and international universities working full-time or part-time. In full-time universities, I have worked at the University of Nebraska uh, at uh, their three campuses, University of Nebraska at Omaha, University of Nebraska at Lincoln, and University of Nebraska Medical Center. And then I have worked for University of Cincinnati and uh, Jackson State University in Mississippi. Now I am with University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And uh, in terms of my public health experience, I have worked with uh, all levels at the local health department. I used to work for City of Columbus as health promotion supervisor, worked with City of Cincinnati Health Department and many other local organizations. Uh, I have worked for state health departments, the state of Ohio, state of Alaska. Uh, Ohio Commission on Minority Health. I have worked for federal government agencies like Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, US EPA, NIH, uh, for not-for-profit organizations like American Cancer Society, American Lung Association, etc. And then professional organizations like American Public Health Association, American School Health Association, and international uh, organizations, including governments of other nations like uh, uh, European Union, World Health Organization, Associazana Italiana, Amici da Raul, Folario in Italy. Uh, uh, and uh, I have been a keynote presenter at several universities like Chongqing Medical University in China, uh, University of Arkansas, University of Oklahoma. And uh, I have uh, published 13 books and uh, over 340 peer-reviewed journal articles uh, and uh, more than 450 other publications. Uh, I am uh, ranked in the top one percentile of uh, all researchers globally in uh, the world in 176 fields. Uh, so uh, my research interests are in developing and evaluating carry-based health behavior change interventions, obesity prevention, stress coping, community-based participatory research and evaluation, and integrative mind-body-spirit interventions. So we're very lucky to uh, have someone as experienced as you on the podcast. Um, so yeah, thanks, thanks again for, for making the time. Um, so Manoj, uh, what led you to your work in, in medicine, public health, preventative medicine, um, and your current research? Yeah, so uh, while in medical school, I was always interested in the preventive aspects of things, you know, instead of the curative aspect, because curative is uh, like uh, 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 there is a uh, story that I heard in the medical school of a person who was trying to jump in the river and save people from uh, drowning. Uh, but uh, somebody said, why don't you go up the hill and find out somebody who's pushing these people in the river? So that uh, is the basic philosophy of preventive medicine. And you, you see that all the lifestyles are so important. Cardiovascular disease, for obesity prevention, for cancer prevention, you know, all the lifestyles like uh, healthy nutrition, exercise, physical activity, not smoking, not drinking. 
those kind of behaviors are the most important. So that led me to the journey of health behavior research. Uh, initially, I started out in India. I started working with uh, training of uh, 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 trainers. I worked for an organization called Voluntary Health Association of India, which was a federation of more than 4,000 uh, not-for-profit groups. And I traveled all over India conducting training programs about uh, starting health uh, initiatives uh, uh, and uh, building a cadre of trainers. Then I wanted to systematize my and learning in public health. So I moved to uh, United States and did my doctorate in uh, preventive medicine from the Ohio State University. And uh, uh, while working for my doctorate, I was uh, working as a, a health promotion supervisor for City of Columbus. And I was appalled to see that the funding for public health was very scarce. So um, uh, I uh, designed some uh, healthy lifestyle program called Building Healthy Lifestyle Programs with a limited budget that I had. And uh, that uh, program was uh, chosen as the best health promotion program in Ohio. And uh, I wanted to, after my doctorate, I wanted to move into academia. So uh, to train other uh, students to build uh, uh, the new generation of public health professionals. So I uh, moved into academia, and here I am uh, for the last 25 years, I'm working in academia. Wow, so you have uh, a wealth of experience. So just going back to uh, preventative medicine, um, what are some of the, so, so for our listeners, what are some of the, the common issues you see in, in people's lifestyles that you know, lead them to having health problems? What are some of the yeah. kind of common, you know, issues in, in, let's just say the U.S. lifestyle in particular? Yeah, the U.S. lifestyle, you know, the nutrition is a big uh, issue uh, because uh, we do not eat enough fruits and vegetables in our diet. A lot of surveys have shown that uh, the recommendation of uh, five cups of fruits and vegetables, like two cups of fruits and three cups of vegetables is not being met by a substantial proportion of the population as high as 85, 90%. So, uh, and also uh, overeating is a uh, population, large uh, portion sizes in our diet is a big problem. And uh, uh, we think that our diet is deficient in proteins, so we consume large quantities of meat, uh, which is not the case. And uh, uh, also sugar-sweetened beverages uh, uh, consumption is a big issue. So that is uh, about uh, the uh, high fat, saturated fat also is an issue. So that is a high salt intake uh, is also an issue. So those are about the nutrition part. And with the physical activity, you know, we are not uh, meeting the adequate guideline of uh, at least accumulating 150 minutes of moderate density physical activity per week. We are busy with sedentary lifestyles. You have uh, a lot of dependence on automobiles. Our jobs have become very sedentary. So as a result, we are not getting adequate exercise in our system. And uh, high-risk groups are the minority populations. Uh, I've worked with African-American women. I've worked with Asian-Americans, worked with Hispanic-Americans. And uh, they are the ones who are suffering a lot in this area. And then, uh, you know, uh, 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 smoking is a, still a big issue. We all know that uh, tobacco is harmful for us, yet number of people uh, engage in uh, 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 smoking. Uh, uh, and now vaping has become an issue, especially with the young generation. So that is uh, pretty harmful. And uh, 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 also uh, the issue of alcohol. Uh, in our society, alcohol is part of our living, but alcohol has a lot of harmful effects. In fact, a number of studies have shown that any amount of alcohol consumption is injurious to health, and there is no safe limit of alcohol. Like some people say, oh, I'm a moderate drinker, and uh, that is protective, but studies have shown that that is also pretty harmful. So alcohol drinking is a big problem in our society. Then uh, uh, sun protection behaviors are an issue, you know, uh, 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 sunscreen use and uh, tanning and those kind of behaviors are uh, problematic. And then safer sex practices are an uh, issue in our society. You know, people 
uh, are not monogamous in their relationships and uh, as a result you know they engage in unsafe uh, sex behaviors so that uh, uh, can lead to number of sexually transmitted diseases including hiv aids so that is another big uh, behavioral issue and then uh, recently a lot of interest is uh, uh, has been shown in social determinants of health like education employment you know there are some communities that are disadvantaged in terms of uh, these societal factors and there are a lot of uh, racial disparities a lot of gender disparities a lot of uh, other uh, forms of disparities so uh, uh, i think uh, both uh, 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 health behaviors, lifestyle problems, and social determinants of health—the main uh, preventive problems. Some of them require individual level interventions, while some of them require structural level uh, interventions, both at the educational level and at the policy level. Yeah, very interesting. You've given a lot of food for thought there, and a lot of things that people can work on. Um, I just have a few questions. Kind of little questions that all arise from everything you've said there. So just on the nutrition. So you know, you say about eating more fruits and vegetables. But some people would say, like listeners might say, "Oh, but fruit, you know, it's high in sugar. Is it not bad for my health?" What would your your opinion be? You know, on uh, fruit in the diet. Yeah, fruits uh, do not uh, have. the uh, bad sugar you know they have uh, the healthy sugar part of it uh, of course i am not advocating for excessive consumption of fruits but uh, according to the usda and other authorities they say two cups of fruits per day so fruits are rich in antioxidants a lot of vitamins and uh, they are not so high in sugars for example you have strawberries blueberries they are not high in sugar and the kind of sugar that they have is not very harmful uh, as opposed to the uh, uh, sugar uh, that we uh, put in our uh, uh, beverages you know like uh, derived from corn and all uh, uh, we, uh, but that sugar is pretty harmful uh, But, uh, but the uh, sugar from fruits is uh, uh, not uh, that harmful you know it's uh, uh, pretty useful and we need some amount of carbohydrates in our diet because they are the main source of energy so uh, we should not uh, be uh, follow any extreme diet like i see some people following an all protein diet that is pretty harmful and studies have shown that that can lead to development of cancers and things like that so we need a balanced diet that is balanced in carbohydrates and proteins some fats vitamins minerals uh, all those uh, things are uh, very important water consumption is very important in our diet we should consume at least eight uh, uh, glasses of water every day and uh, i see that number of people don't consume enough water so uh, uh, having adequate portion sizes is also important like i was mentioning with the fruits part that not over consuming fruits and fruit juices are uh, not recommended because they have added sugar in them some people say oh i drink lot of orange juice or i drink grape juice or such and such juice that is not good you should try to consume uh, the raw fruits uh, and uh, that healthy way to do it brilliant yeah, yeah. so the the juices themselves they're, they're too compacted with uh, with sugar but then the the fruit in its natural form is healthy and that's very good to know it's a good reminder what what are your what's your opinion on uh, frozen fruits you know because they're the shelf life is longer and i think a lot of people would say that having fruit around the home you know i forget to eat it or it goes off but if it's frozen you can have it you know whenever really it, it lasts a lot longer yeah i think frozen fruits are a good uh, 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 source uh, because uh, most of the uh, pr- uh, nice properties of these fruits are preserved in frozen medium and you can make things like a smoothie uh, add it with milk and make a smoothie you know don't add any extra sugar in it so that is a convenient way of uh, consuming uh, uh, fruits you know so uh, i would advocate for uh, uh, using uh, uh, frozen fruits if uh, a person wants to do that because it prolongs the shelf life like you mentioned yeah absolutely it's much more practical and effective um actually i find it can be cheaper as well which is great um, right so Meal prep services, they're, they're a new thing recently that I see a lot of, especially here in San Francisco. You know, you uh, 
pick your meals um, and they deliver a, a prepared meal in advance. Uh, do you think this is a healthy alternative for people who are maybe busy or they just don't like cooking? Yeah, with uh, 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 already prepared meals, you have to be careful with what preservatives they're using. Uh, and uh, also uh, uh, the amount of time that you spend in cooking the meal uh, reduces your uh, appetite so you don't consume a large portion size. So I, I've, I'm an advocate that you should uh, buy raw uh, vegetables, raw fruit, fruit uh, raw uh, food products, and then start the cooking right from scratch. I think everybody has a lot of time at their disposal these days, you know. Uh, uh, and it is a pseudo myth that uh, people assume, oh, I am so busy that I do not have time to cook. Uh, so one should take the time to prepare the meals uh, from scratch. And uh, that way, you know, it's uh, cooking is a very good hobby also. So you can uh, uh, also uh, uh, learn the art of cooking. And while you're cooking, a uh, 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 lot of your appetite gets satisfied in the process. So you don't tend to eat a lot. So uh, you should try to uh, cook the meal, uh, take the time at least 25, 30, 40 minutes cooking the meal and spending at least 25, 30 minutes eating the food. Sometimes we hurry up uh, while consuming the food. And that is also not very good. Uh, you, we should chew the food very uh, uh, carefully uh, so that all the uh, with the mastication, you know, the saliva, which has tylen uh, enzyme in it, it uh, dissolves the food and uh, extracts all the nutrients from the food. So one should chew the food so that it becomes like a fluid before uh, 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 taking it in. So most of the time people are in a hurry and they just, uh, you know, you see people munching the food while driving a car. So that, that is not a very healthy practice. So one should take time to prepare the meals. One should take time to eat the meals and then uh, uh, eat in moderation. Uh, uh, with the, uh, the, the, So that is something I would uh, recommend. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you cook your own meals, in my experience, you appreciate the food a lot more. You know, right. it's, kind of, it's almost like that hunter-gatherer idea where Right. We're, not, we're not hunting for the food, but at least we're putting the work into, you know, sort of gather it and prepare it. And right. then, you know, I think being grateful for the food you have is a lot more important. Yeah. And then you can be more mindful of the food you're eating, like you're mentioning, instead of eating in the car. If you can be aware of, okay, maybe I'm full now, or actually I want a bit more, then it reduces the chance of overeating and, and long-term then obesity. So that's, yeah, that's a really yeah. good. And really your, good uh, your topic is about mindfulness. So while eating, if you are conscious that you are eating the food, that, that is a very important thing rather than your mind loitering elsewhere, like, oh, what, whatever I do to do with my job, or oh, what is the next deadline I have to meet, or oh, what is running on the TV, you know, so our mind is distracted. So when we are eating food, we should engross ourselves in eating food. And that is a practice, you know, in India, when we eat food, we focus only on the food. Whereas in the West, in United States, what I have noticed is that we gather around and we talk uh, a lot on issues while eating food, like it's a, uh, a gathering on the dining table. In India, it's a practice which is more uh, individualized, where the person consumes the food, he or she is totally engrossed in the eating process, whereas here uh, you are distracted a lot. So I am not sure a lot of research has been done in that regard, but uh, Perhaps that is something we should uh, do because the mindfulness uh, research is emerging that whatever task you do, you remain in the present and that is pretty helpful. So uh, 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 a lot of evidence with mindfulness is uh, uh, there. So I think with eating food also, we will uh, be able to do such research and that would be pretty helpful. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you reminded me. When I was back in Ireland, I had a few Indian friends and I had a few meals with them and it was a very, you know, big uh, social occasion, but there was like the TV wasn't on. It was like everybody prepares the food together um, and then it, there's not a whole lot of talking when you're eating the food. You're kind of just enjoying it. So I think that there's a lot to be said for that um, because your body will tell you when you're full or when, you know, you, you still want to eat a little bit more and then can prevent uh, overconsumption, which is a big issue right now. Um, yeah. 
And yeah. another uh, practice uh, that is common in India is that people e- eat uh, food with their hands. So the uh, rationale behind that is that you put energy into the food. Uh, but if uh, uh, in the Western culture, you know, it is not acceptable, then that is also okay. But uh, uh, all practices, uh, cultural practices uh, should be understood in the context from which uh, they arise. So uh, that cultural role is also very important. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like we have traditions for a reason. There's definitely some use to them. And I think the tradition now of, of having the TV on or watching something or having a deep discussion while you're eating here in the West is not, not effective. It's right. It's, it's right. definitely contributing. Definitely. To the health hurried eating is not really good. Like uh, you are driving a car or uh, munching on a sandwich. That type of practice is certainly not way to do. Yeah, absolutely. Like fast food. Terrible, yeah, fast terrible food. idea. The, you the drive quality through is the, poor. you drive through you pick on your uh, lunch then you are munching in your car that type of practice is uh, to be discouraged absolutely yeah you save time but it comes at the cost of your health you're eating you're eating too much you're eating poor quality food and uh, long term it has terrible effects on our health um and just another point on the nutrition so just alcohol so just how how damaging is alcohol for our health um and have you found any effective ways to improve people's relationship with alcohol or uh, change how they, they consume alcohol in any of your programs? Yeah. So uh, 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 with alcohol, as you know, of course, uh, uh, everybody knows that it causes uh, cirrhosis of the liver if consumed in high quantities and hepatic, hepatocellular carcinoma and a myriad of other uh, issues are there with alcohol. Uh, what alcohol uh, is, is it's a, a CNS or central nervous system depressant. So why do you want to depress your central nervous system? The whole purpose of life is to activate the mind to its full potential. Uh, uh, that That is the whole purpose of life or the meaning of life is to activate your mind to its uh, highest potential or highest acme. So uh, why should one want to depress the uh, potential of the mind uh, by consuming alcohol? So it doesn't make logical sense to do that. And uh, 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 what alcohol does is it starts suppressing the centers starting from the uh, cerebral cortex. So the first thing that happens with alcohol is that your inhibitions go away and you start feeling that uh, uh, a little bit of euphoria uh, uh, all my inhibitions have gone and I am little uh, uh, high uh, alcohol. And then uh, uh, then it starts shutting down the lower centers, the limbic system, then the medulla. And if consumed in large quantities, it can lead to complete shutting of the respiratory center and the cardiac center. So death can ensue. So uh, binge drinking is uh, very harmful, which number of youngsters uh, engage in. And uh, uh, so, uh, uh, and drinking and driving is a big problem in our country. You know, people uh, uh, consume alcohol, and uh, of course, uh, the concentration behind the wheel is uh, totally uh, disrupted. So, uh, I think that is uh, also pretty harmful. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, really like a a recipe for disaster when you drive and you drink, you're, you're, you're putting your own life at risk and then also uh, people on the road as well. So Manoj, you, you mentioned the recommendation that all adults do 150 minutes of exercise per week. Could just speak a little bit about how uh, you got adults in your programs to, to hit that mark and just also where they're currently at, like what, what's the current level of activity and then how you got people to, to hit that recommendation. Yeah, so with the physical activity and exercise, you know, the recommendations are that per week, at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity should be undertaken. Now, that is a big challenge for some of the minority groups and the other highest groups that we have in our population. So I've been working with several health behavior theories to increase the uh, 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 amount of physical activity that uh, these populations they get. 
So initially, I worked with the social cognitive theory. Social cognitive theory is uh, uh, the triadic reciprocity between personal factors, environment, and uh, uh, the behavior developed by Albert Bandura out of Stanford uh, uh, University. It was uh, uh, good in predicting uh, uh, the uh, exercise or physical activity rates with the white Caucasian population because one of the salient constructs in that theory is that of self-efficacy, which is the behavior-specific confidence in one's ability to perform a given behavior. But when it came to minority populations and my work in other countries with social cognitive theory, I found that uh, it was not uh, very well predictive, especially with the African-American community, for example. They do not believe that much in the power of self, but they believe more in almighty or higher power. Same thing with some of the other uh, Asian cultures, you know, uh, where uh, the role of self is uh, considered to be not that important. And uh, like a deity may be influential or uh, almighty God may be influential and things like that. So I developed that uh, uh, same thing with other behavioral theories like the health belief model that also has self-efficacy or the trans theoretical model that also has self-efficacy, you know. And uh, so I uh, experimented with number of uh, uh, behavioral theories. Uh, uh, theory of planned behavior has uh, also a concept similar to self-efficacy called perceived behavioral control. So I found that uh, these theories were not uh, suitable for uh, uh, across cultures. And uh, so I developed a theory called the multi-theory model of health behavior change uh, based on the constructs from different theories. So one of the constructs is called as participatory dialogue. In participatory dialogue, this construct has been derived from uh, Paulo Freire, who was a Brazilian adult educator uh, who talked about uh, uh, the uh, how to educate adults. And he talked about the two-way communication. So in this two-way communication, you know, we highlight the advantages of behavior change over the disadvantages. So what it does is uh, that... Uh, uh, it uh, helps per a person motivate uh, uh, for the behavior change. So people who, who may uh, otherwise think of themselves not highly motivated to starting physical activity or exercise by seeing an immediate advantage, such as uh, the, uh, their uh, such as the benefit uh, uh, to their health. Uh, or uh, benefit in their appearance. For young people, uh, appearance is very important. Like, uh, uh, for example, they may be interested in uh, going on a date. So uh, that type of uh, uh, thing may appeal to them. So uh, those kind of personal benefits, uh, personal advantages, and outweighing them over the potential disadvantages, like uh, the cost of joining a gym or uh, not having enough time or those kind of things, you know, in that uh, uh, kind of an interaction, we are able to uh, underscore the advantages over disadvantages. So that is the first construct. And uh, uh, the multi-theory model of health behavior change divides the behavior change into initiation and sustenance. Initiation meaning the starting of the behavior and sustenance meaning maintaining the behavior. So this participatory dialogue is important in initiation or starting of the behavior. Uh, the second construct that is important in uh, initiation or starting the behavior is that of uh, uh, behavioral confidence. Now, behavioral confidence is somewhat different than self-efficacy because the source of uh, this confidence can be uh, an entity. Uh, it can be self, but it can also be an entity uh, outside of uh, self, such as almighty uh, or a powerful other somebody, uh, a, a young person, uh, a child may have confidence in his or her father uh, or mother. Uh, so that uh, play a role in uh, developing that behavioral confidence. So once that behavioral confidence is there, then that is uh, very important. And the third thing is changes in the physical environment. So changes in the physical environment is that uh, there should be uh, adequate availability, accessibility, and obtainability of resources in the physical environment. For example, uh, uh, if you're talking about physical activity behavior, then 
availability of gym or a playground or a, uh, 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 availability of uh, uh, if you're talking about strength training then availability of weights uh, or some other type of uh, uh, things that may be uh, available to the person because if suppose somebody is living in a uh, congested uh, uh, environment in new york city and does not have the money to join a gym then it is very difficult for that person to become physically active you know uh, so uh, that type of uh, approach should be available that physical environment so these three constructs or these three factors these three uh, correlates are important for starting physical activity behavior change and then there are three factors that are important for maintaining this behavior change among them the first one is emotional transformation so we all have feelings uh, and if we can mobilize our negative feelings like for example we are getting angry or frustrated if we say well uh, instead of getting angry or frustrated i am going to devote the same energy to uh, doing push ups or uh, running around the block so setting up uh, some uh, concrete specific goals for physical activity by transforming our f- negative feelings into goals so that is very important for maintaining the behavior and then another construct or factor is practice for change now practice for change is derived once again from paul freire's uh, work which talks about uh, freirean praxi freirean praxi means active reflection and reflective action so what that means in simple terms is constantly thinking about behavior change so uh, you can keep a journal and keep a diary these days we have a lot of apps that record our physical activity i use an app uh, on my cell phone which records the number of steps i do and i try to uh, incorporate 10000 steps every day uh, today i had a meeting with you so i have only been able to log in about uh, 3000 steps but right after this meeting i will again go for a walk and uh, try to meet my goal of uh, 10000 steps so that is uh, the kind of uh, uh, practice for change and then the third important construct is changes in the social environment so changes in the social environment pertain to things like social support uh, like support from family friends so uh, you can mobilize that some in some cases health professional like you are a health coach so you can provide that kind of a support to your uh, clients in order for them to uh, engage in physical activity and also these days the social media is becoming a very popular thing so if you can mobilize support through social media like a lot of whatsapp group are there or you can post uh, i have a friend who posts her uh, uh, physical activity on instagram so she gets a lot of likes you know so that that's another uh, form of uh, mobilizing that changes in the social environment so uh, these are some of the ways that i have uh, applied uh, uh, behavioral uh, empirically based uh, approaches in increasing physical activity behavior uh, in a variety of populations my work has been with african american community with hispanic american community with asian american community and of course with uh, the general population comprising of mainly white caucasian uh, populations very good yeah it's um it's very interesting to think that uh some people would believe in like a higher power not controlling them but i guess supporting them to make a change that's something i, I never considered but i i see a lot in other people you know you see athletes mention you know oh god you know allowed us to do this so that's very interesting um yeah it's just, a very a huge concept in the african american culture you know i have uh, guided uh, dissertations uh, doctoral dissertations of uh, uh, 50 or 60 african american uh, students and invariably in all of them in the acknowledgments they start by saying i want to thank uh, almighty uh, that is the first sentence they would write in the acknowledgments which uh, we do not find in uh, many other cultures Yeah, I think there's a lot of use for that because they think uh, they're more humble because of that. They don't yeah. believe that they're like this amazing single person who, you know, they did it all themselves because 
yeah we need that support. humility is uh, very very important and is a very strong strength of the african american culture and uh, some of the minority cultures you know uh, uh, the humility is a big thing you know uh, unfortunately in the united states uh, uh, we have lot of uh, uh, big egos it is uh, i have found that that is pretty detrimental in our uh, spiritual progress yeah absolutely i think uh, in america individualism is celebrated when it's it's not really something that is as important as you know the, the group or um, yeah just to have some humility even but uh, just one thing that i've noticed recently i saw there's a, an advertisement um an american a female basketball player candace parker she's trying to get more women to be more active because as women get older you're the the research you can correct me but i think women their participation in sport drops off a lot more than compared to men is that right and yeah um, why is that generally with age you know the uh, participation in sport activities and physical activity declines and that is responsible for uh, a variety of problems osteoporosis and cardiovascular disease and depression you know especially with the uh, uh, menopausal women you know we find a lot of uh, higher rates of uh, mental health issues like depression uh, to be more common you know and osteoporosis of course is a big problem so a lot of uh, problems happen with declining physical activity and exercise with age so there should be a physical activity at all stages of life is spent yeah absolutely with the the decline in in bone strength um, as we get older it's 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 even more important to be active as we age um so then your your current areas of research that relate to mental health so you you focus on uh stress and coping as is in one of your books that uh, you look at yoga you look at meditation um and then introspective meditations could you speak about those topics and and just um explain how they help to improve our health or manage our health yeah uh, like you know mental health is a big problem in our country and uh, after the covid-19 pandemic it is becoming a major problem you know people have been socially isolated for a long period of time and also the adverse effects of covid there is a condition called as long covid which has affected a large number of people and then uh, so anxiety levels depression levels other mental problems have been increasing in our society and in general we do not do a very good job with uh, coping with stress because like you mentioned we are an individualistic society so we tend to uh, personalize everything and take responsibility of uh, all the stressors on ourselves so uh, uh, that is uh, the, the the problem with uh, stress in our society you know uh, the internal locus of control uh, puts a person at greater amount of uh, stress as opposed to an external locus of control and uh, often times uh, we forget that it is uh, not the stressors that are causing the stress but it is the perception of the stressors that is causing the stress so in my work uh, i have written a book called practical stress management with my co-author dr john romas in that we have uh, described various attributes of uh, coping with stress uh, uh, like uh, 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 you know there are different types of stressors there are stressors that are acute stressors and uh, chronic stressors acute stressors are once in a while life events so once in a while life events are like the, for example you meet an accident or you have a divorce or uh, even the nice uh, aspects like you win a lottery or you uh, enter into a marriage so those are like once in a while a type of stressors and they can of course produce uh, some amount of uh, stress in our life and stresses of two types uh, eu stress which is the good stress and distress which is the uh, bad stress uh, which can cause negative sequelae like uh, 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 harmful diseases uh, that can happen like the uh, uh, effect on heart disease or depression or anxiety or uh, uh, post traumatic stress disorder and things like that 
so uh, uh, and then the second category of stressors are the chronic stressors so these chronic stressors are uh, things like uh, uh, for example uh, daily hassles like you have to uh, deal with traffic or stand in a queue if you're living in a bigger city then uh, these things are part of your daily uh, hassle so uh, that, that that's one type of a chronic stress and another type of a chronic stressor is a community wide strain now that is uh, for example you happen to be a minority in a majority group and all of us are minority in some respect uh, when it comes to a majority uh, you know we may be a minority by our education we may be a minority by our gender in a group we may be a minority by our race in a group and so on and so forth so whenever that type of a situation arises then that can potentially cause a uh, problem and then there are uh, chronic strains for example you live in a high crime neighborhood so that is causing you uh, uh, stress and then there are role strains uh, just by having multiplicity of strains or uh, by having uh, 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 different uh, 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 one particular role may be stressful to you so that can also cause uh, stress in you so that is uh, uh, another type of chronic stressor and then there are some persistent life difficulties for example you met with an accident an acute life stressor but now you are disabled as a result of that acute stressor so you have to bear the consequences of being in a stress for a long period of time so that is uh, the kind of uh, uh, chronic stressors so we talked about acute stressors we talked about chronic stressors and then the third type of stressors are the non events non events are like for example uh, uh, simply getting bored which is very common in our society like people get bored uh, have nothing to do they cannot handle their own company and as a result they get bored or another type of a non event is suppose uh, uh, everybody in your age group has gotten married and you are not married and you feel that oh this event that should have happened has not happened and as a result of that you are stressed so those are the non events so all these stressors you know it is uh, you have to uh, assess them you know and then uh, uh, have a uh, sense of controllability it is very important that one has a sense of controllability over these stressors and that has to do with the perception that a person has and a lot of my research has shown that uh, it is that uh, controllability factor that makes all the so uh, that can uh, happen as a result of uh, uh uh changing one's perception and that is where the whole uh, concept of uh, yoga and meditation and uh, introspective meditation comes into interplay like yoga is a system you know it's an ancient system that was uh, originated in the indus valley civilization more than 5000 years before christ and uh, in the um, uh, uh, remnants of uh, mohenjo daro uh, uh, which is now in uh, uh, some parts of india and pakistan you know you find people uh, some practicing uh, yogic postures so uh, that the uh, yoga uh, uh, is basically uh, uh, based on eight limbs there are uh, eight limbs of yoga which is called as ashtang yoga so the first limb is the yam niyam these are the various practices like the five do's uh, or uh, five uh, do's for self regulation and five rules for living in society like non stealing or uh, uh, worshiping of the almighty and things like that so that is for cleansing the body and mind yam and niyam and then you have the asanas there are thousands of asanas but uh, you can choose some of them for uh, practicing uh, uh, for maintaining the body in good harmony with the environment and then uh, there is the pranayama or the breathing techniques which can help in circulation breath and induce diaphragmatic breathing we do not do a very good job of using our diaphragm in breathing so that's what pranayama does you know generalizes the Uh, activity of the diaphragm so these four limbs are called as the outer yoga then we have the four inner yoga uh, the 
प्रतिहार धारण ध्यान एंड समाधि प्रतिहार इज डिटैचमेंट ऑफ माइंड फ्रॉम सेंसरी ऑब्जेक्ट्स एंड एंड धारण इज कंसंट्रेटिंग ऑब्जेक्ट एंड ध्यान इज द मेडिटेशन पार्ट एंड देन समाधि इज द मेडिटेशन विद द सुपर कॉन्शियसनेस सो आई हैव डेवलप्ड a system of yoga called kundalini energy yoga uh, which imbibes some of the basic asanas breathing techniques some practices you know like uh, healthy eating vegetarian diet uh, physical activity relaxation uh, and uh, then uh, sequential meditations meditation breathing meditation uh, uh, mantras meditation various chakras or the endocrine glands in the body and then meditation the super consciousness so based on that i have done some studies uh, uh, with anxiety patients with smoking cessation with depression with the understanding the meaning of life uh, enhancing and understanding of life i have found pretty good results with the limited number of studies and i plan on doing more studies in the future so uh, the kundalini energy yoga is based on meditation different schools of yoga start with different uh, aspects of uh, those ashtang yoga or the eight limbs so uh, the kundalini energy yoga starts with the meditation and thinking or introspective meditation introspective meditation is meditation on your thinking so that uh, you are not uh, too much focused on the past or future but you are trying to self improve your present thinking so we all face dilemmas like uh, whether to engage in a pleasurable activity whether to get angry with a situation whether to get anxious over a situation and so on and so forth so i have identified 25 such dilemmas and uh, identified some steps for uh, self reflection introspection on those uh, as part of this uh, kundalini energy yoga and uh, we've conducted some studies in that regard so that is uh, a brief uh, background of my work with uh, stress coping you know with yoga with meditation and introspective meditations in particular very good there yeah. is a book uh, that uh, i have written called introspective meditations for complete contentment that is available on amazon for a very uh, inexpensive price and if you want a copy i can send you a free copy of that book i distribute it uh, free to people who that would be amazing thank you very much yeah i'll attach the show links um with the links to your books as well um i think uh, being able to, to cope more effectively with life challenges is always a good thing um and i actually have covid right now so i actually got it over the weekend um uh, i'm recovering i'm feeling a lot better but it's funny you mentioned um, oh, i'm sorry to hear that i didn't know that so i hope you you took all the vaccines and everything yes i did i did and um so hopefully it will be a mild uh, episode for you and uh, i wish you the very best thank you very much yeah i'm on the uh, on the mend now but yeah i just have to isolate and do all that kind of recovery stuff so that's where I'm at right now but um you spoke about uh a little bit about like meditation um something I'm learning recently as well as just like you know to be uh connected with the present moment so just to be kind of aware of like the here and now not to think you know about the past like oh I could have done this better or um in the future what's coming up is that a big part of your your work um to improve people's health to help them to stress less to cope better um to connect with the present moment is that something that you work on yeah that is the first step of what uh, is popular in the west is called as mindfulness so mindfulness is focusing on the present but one should not stop just at mindfulness mindfulness is like uh, the first step in meditation so when you are not bothered about the past not focused on the future you are on the present then the journey of meditation starts so that is the step that we talk in yoga as the dharana uh, or pratihar detachment of mind from sensory objects and focusing on one object so what should be that object uh, just focusing on the present is not sufficient because the mind will keep on uh, fluctuating so what we do in kundalini energy yoga is 
be focused on the inner energy. Like, uh, for example, you know, we have the body and we have the uh, brain, but uh, there should be some source of the energy, just like you have uh, in the electrical system, you have uh, the electrical wiring and you have the switches and you have the bulb. Uh, but unless there is an electric current, you cannot be turn on the light. So there must be some inner energy. And that inner energy comes from the food that we eat, the breath that we take, you know, and uh, from the uh, ultimate source, which is the almighty uh, or uh, the uh, uh, primordial static state we call in yoga. So uh, uh, that, that is the source of the inner energy. So in Kundalini Energy Yoga, what we do is, uh, uh, first of all, we make our mind calm by focusing on the present, and then we focus on this inner energy. Now, that can be done with the help of starting with the breathing first. So we start focusing on the breath, and that is breath uh, observation is the first step. So that is uh, after uh, calming your mind with introspective meditation or mindfulness meditation, bringing it on the present, and then you focus on the breath, the mind becomes more oriented to the present. And then you can focus on any sound uh, like Om or Amen or any sound vibration. So the mind becomes even more focused, more attuned. And then you can start uh, relaxing your senses one by one. There are uh, six senses like the uh, taste sensation, the touch sensation, the smell sensation, uh, the uh, uh, hearing sensation, the kinesthetic sense, the sight. So you relax those senses and then you uh, can go into the various uh, uh, observation points of this energy. So the first center of this observation is at the base of the spine, which corresponds to the endocrine glands, the sex glands. So at the sacrococcygeal region, if you focus, you will find the, uh, uh, this kind of an energy vibration. It is in the form of a vibration. And then likewise, you move up to the suprarenals or the adrenal glands. And then you move up to the uh, pancreas, the navel center. And then you move up to the heart center. And then you move up to the uh, throat center, the thyroids, parathyroids. And then you move up to the point between the eyebrows, the pituitary gland. And then you move up to the crown of the head, the hypothalamus or the limbic system. And that is uh, where you basically start feeling uh, these uh, vibrations get uh, stronger with concentration if you've done the previous steps uh, diligently. And then at that point, you start expanding the consciousness into the entire cerebral cortex or everything that you have conceptualized in your lifetime, the whole universe. And then going beyond the universe, you merge into the super consciousness. So that is a, the process which comes with practice. It cannot happen overnight, but we keep trying, trying and trying till we succeed. And that is the whole purpose of the uh, meditation. So medi meditation is helpful in uh, helping uh, with the various diseases like my research has shown that it is helpful in alleviating stress. It has been helpful with uh, cancer patients deal with the various problems of chemotherapy, radiotherapy, etc. It has helped with depression. It has helped with anxiety. It has helped with diabetes. It has helped, helped with Parkinson's disease. In pregnancy, it has helped in uh, smoking cessation, in arthritis, in bronchial asthma, in hypertension. But these are the kind of byproducts. The main purpose of meditation is to find meaning in life. Uh, all of us are born with a purpose. Uh, the life has a purpose. And that purpose of life is what is the whole uh, 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 and living in harmony. That is the purpose of meditation, living in harmony of the body, mind and environment. So the, uh, like uh, Viktor Frankl, you know, uh, uh, who was tortured in a Nazi camp, he said, uh, uh, my purpose of life is to help others find meaning in life. You know, so that is the kind of the essence of yoga and meditation. Brilliant. Yeah. So if somebody hasn't experienced these benefits of yoga and meditation, um, like 
let's say they're struggling to go to the gym and work out or wherever they want to exercise. Maybe they're like socially anxious or they just kind of, um, they feel like they are incapable of, of exercise. What would meditation help in those type of situations? What, what benefit could they notice? Yeah, meditation will help them focus uh, uh, more on uh, uh, whatever tasks that they are doing. You know, because it's a method of harmonizing your body, mind, and environment. So the uh, the more you become conscious of the inner energy, you can direct it. In my case, I direct it more to research uh, and teaching. So I uh, benefit in that way. So if you're directing it in a gym for a workout, then you will get more benefits out of a workout. You you will have a, a better body. You, you will have uh, 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 better physical outcomes. You know, so wherever you want to channelize it, uh, it helps you uh, channelize your energy in that direction. Whatever your purpose of life is, you can benefit. Like you are a health coach. You want to help others develop good bodies. So if you practice meditation, if you practice yoga, then your acumen in teaching others uh, 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 with coaching others with uh, uh, physical uh, exercises will shine. Yeah, so you can apply more of your energy to one task as opposed to yeah, being split. Yeah, absolutely. To whatever task you have at hand, you can become more proficient in that task in more worldly sense. And in a spiritual sense, you gain more out of what is the purpose of life, why you were born, who created you, what is this creation? So all those esoteric questions, you can find answers because the answers to those questions lie within you. They do not lie outside of you. That is the philosophy of yoga. So, Manoj, we're seeing uh, a rise in the use of screen time, you know, phones, computers, all of these kinds of things. What are some of the effects of the increased use of screen time on uh, people's mental health? Yeah, we are seeing a lot of increase in the screen time. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't foresee that uh, it is going to stop uh, in near future. If anything, it is going to increase. Uh, just like, you know, we had the television uh, uh, and then people started watching television more. And now uh, uh, with the cell phones and uh, uh, with all the social media, people are uh, constantly engaged. So what is happening as a result is constantly people are uh, uh, having multitude of thoughts. The mind is constantly engaged. The mind is not getting rest. It is very important for the mind to get rest. You know, when we fall asleep, our mind is uh, sleeping uh, and is at rest. Sleep is very important. Like, uh, you know, we have the electroencephalograph. Like right now we are talking with each other, the mind is engaged. And if we record the EEG pattern, we will find that the mind is at the beta wavelength, which is like 14 to 40 cycles per second. Uh, and uh, then as we start falling asleep, the mind goes into uh, alpha waves, which are 4 to 14, 4 to 13 cycles per second. Uh, and then as we go deeper into sleep, we go into theta waves, which are 1 to uh, uh, three cycles per second and then ultimately we get the delta waves which are for less than one cycle per second and with the practice of yoga and meditation you know people have also gone into the omega wave which is zero cycle per second so uh, uh, the delta wavelength in a normal eight hour cycle is about at the most two or three minutes is what we get. And if for some day, some reason we don't get the delta wavelength, we are, our uh, next day is totally spoiled. We do not get the recovery. So what happens with the constant engagement of mind and activity with different thoughts that social media uh, provides is that the mind is constantly in beta waves and sometimes even gamma waves which are uh, even beyond 40 cycles per second uh, jumping from one topic to another topic and constantly waiting for a reply uh, so uh, that that uh, leads to fast processing and constant engagement of thoughts so uh, that is uh, uh, Good in a way that we are able to accomplish a lot of worldly tasks. You know, we can multitask uh, at the same time uh, with video conferencing that has become very common in COVID-19 
at times i find that i can attend two meetings you know on uh, uh, video conferencing at the same time so but that multitasking is uh, uh, not very good for our mental health right? and the constant engagement of thoughts is not very good for our mental health because it does not provide adequate uh, resting of the brain so uh, what i advocate is that uh, uh, for every one hour of uh, activity we should take a break in which we should uh, uh, make the mind calm by meditation okay? uh, simply uh, reducing the wavelength of the mind uh, 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 starting with that uh, mindfulness and then going through the various breathing and the mantra and the other steps uh, maybe 5 to 10 minutes one should devote every hour to calm down the mind to uh, Uh, really uh, reduce the harmful effects of social media which is uh, growing uh, at an alarming pace in uh, society so uh, uh, there are other techniques for relaxing the mind also if somebody is not motivated uh, for um, meditation then one can practice things like uh, 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 creative activity or humor or uh, uh, progressive muscle relaxation Uh, autogenic training or uh, uh, those kind of techniques you know uh, are also uh, other alternatives that can be employed but the most important aspect is relaxation of the mind that's uh, social media bombarding of constant uh, thoughts yeah i heard the idea that we have like a content diet so let's say you're on social media and something you know you consume something like it might be funny it might be sad it might get you angry um and we have to be mindful of the effect it has on us because um it can get us kind of like another up. problem with social media is that of comparisons uh, especially in the younger generation you know people photoshop their uh, 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 pictures and then they post them in the best possible angle and then uh, the pressure is you know Uh, suppose somebody is little overweight and that person photoshops the image and uh, posts a, 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 a young and a, a thin version of themselves and then the pressure on the peers is that oh this person lost weight whereas that may not be the real case but uh, that comparison becomes a big issue and the body image becomes a big issue so uh, that is also a, a growing trend in our society which uh, is causing problem with the social media. Yeah, absolutely to compare ourselves uh, can really get us stressed out when uh, maybe there's no need or it's just um right. we wouldn't otherwise do it if we weren't you know using the screens. So yeah, that's that's very uh, important um and mindfulness as well and taking time away uh from such a worked up state will definitely help to reduce our stress. Uh so Manoj that's everything. Thank you very much. Is there any uh final message you would like to leave with the listeners um to mention before we wrap up yeah uh, i think uh, for uh, general stress management uh, you know uh, like i mentioned understanding of the stressors is important uh, relaxation through yoga meditation and other techniques is important also managing anger is very important one should try to avoid getting angry that comes with introspective meditations and the same thing with reducing worrying or anxiety is very important and that also comes with introspective meditations uh, improving one's communication is important you know uh, that comes with assertiveness that comes with uh, understanding different behavioral styles and then regular physical activity regular healthy nutrition uh, managing time is very important and then uh, uh also uh, i have seen that uh, a major source of stress uh, in our culture is related to finances and we are uh, uh, we do not pay too much attention to saving and we live off our credit cards so judicious use of uh, how we are spending our uh, money uh, awareness of uh, spending budgeting and then saving money investing money those are very important uh, uh, things to keep in mind to avoid stress and then finally setting goals so one should set uh, 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 goals uh, uh, long term and short term goals for uh, uh, self improvement reducing stress and uh, 
professional success, personal success, all those things are very, very important. Brilliant. I'll actually, I'll make a list of all of those points. I'll attach them in the show notes. Uh, Manoj, thank you very much. And, thank uh, you, Ross, for having me. Right. And I really appreciate your uh, uh, willingness to take on me. And I wish you the very best and your audience the very best in their personal and professional lives. By the grace of Almighty, all of you may enjoy excellent health, long lives, insightful wisdom, lasting prosperity, total peace and complete contentment. Brilliant. Thank you. We'll apply your advice and uh, we will achieve all of that. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's Better, H-E-L-P. BetterHelp is an online therapy service for anyone who is feeling down, depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed. BetterHelp is here to help. During the pandemic, it was a particularly tough time for me, and I found that BetterHelp was invaluable. The, the therapist I'm asking was very effective, very understanding, and really helped me to cope with the challenges of the pandemic when I felt as though I was a little bit overwhelmed. So BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You talk in an online environment. It's private. It's safe. It's secure. And how it works is that you fill out a questionnaire. They assess your needs. And then you are matched with therapists in under 48 hours. They have over 20,000 licensed therapists. So they have a huge network. And you actually can choose your therapist also. They schedule phone sessions on a regular basis. And if the therapist you're matched with is not a good fit for you, you can always request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. It's a great service. I've used it. I believe in it. I highly recommend it. And it is also affordable. So for listeners of this podcast, I will attach a link where you will get a discount and it will help you to get started to better manage your mental health.